the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to the Sleeper on the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotographs editor Eno Saris. Today we'll be discussing players in the context of what to expect in the second half, including breakout candidates and updated consensus rankings. And although real baseball is on a break, we're not. We work every day and every single night. Don't you think we need, we deserve a breather, Eno? I we feel like stars. treating us like a, a sweatshop. I I don't know. I, I think it's a bit unfair. Hey, you got July Four though. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm a slave driver. Mm, and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> so uh, today's most interesting player alive today is actually Ioannis Cespedes because that's the only baseball that happened yesterday. The home run derby. You know, did you watch? Uh, I did, uh, off and on. Um, I don't really love it. Uh, Maybe it's because you're not a chick, and so you don't dig the long ball. Is that it? (laughs) Well, there's so many of them. By the end of it, I I feel like everybody's kind of desensitized. But, uh, you know, the moonshots are fun. Uh, I hate, you know, I used to like Chris Berman, but now I just can't stand it anymore. I don't have a problem with Chris Berman. For me, it reminds me of childhood. Yeah. I could, I mean, I could, been around forever. I, I believe that. But there's something about the back, back, back that's just like, oh, come on. You know what I think would be interesting? Why don't they get Hawk Harrelson to do the home run derby? <laughs> you know what? They should have an all-star cast <laughs> of, 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 like, all-star game callers and, you know. And uh, Scully is going to count is going to call this round, and now here's John Miller to call the next round. And <laughs> that would be actually kind of interesting. I would look forward. Yeah, to that. that would be fun. <laughs> so Cespedes, the guy is batting two twenty five. His power is still there. I mean, his ISO is down slightly from the last year. Home run per fly down slightly from last year, but he's hitting a bunch more fly balls. So his home run pace is uh, pretty much on par with last year. But he's batting 225 with a 251 Babbitt. And, I mean, is this a guy that you think is going to rebound? And to what degree? Is, it, is he a great by low, a slight by low, or is he basically going to be a 240 hitter with power and, and you know, a couple of steals? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it is interesting. You know, you just put him up against Bryce Harper, who, um, who you know, was the finalist with him. And, uh, you know, both those guys had have above average swing strike rates for their strikeout rates or, or did last year. And Harper uh, put up the, both of them put up the same swinging strike rates as they put up last year, this year. But Harper's strikeout rate is about the same as it was last year. And Cespedes is, is much worse. Um, so I, that's that's one of the tricky parts about using swinging strike rate for for hitters, I think. Um, so there's not, there's not, uh, there's not, we shouldn't kick ourselves too hard for, for this because there are players that have high swing strike rates and, and average strikeout rates. It's just, um, you know, this year it came to bit, 
Cespedes in the butt. And, and, and watching him, you know, out here uh, in the Bay Area, I would say that sometimes it feels like he's not making the adjustments he needs to make. And yet we know that he made those adjustments last year. So um, I don't know exactly why he's failing to make those adjustments this year. But I would say that I, I like him for a little bit better than that, 260, 270 batting average and power and speed still, even even with the reduced level of uh, stolen base attempts he's doing. You know, I have to say that looking at his batted ball distribution, it's the type that leads to a low BABIP. His line drive rate is only 16%. He's popping up a lot, and he's hitting a ton of fly balls, and that's the exact recipe for a lower-than-league average BABIP. So although his ex-BABIP, given his power and his speed, is probably a bit higher than 251, it's clearly well below his 326 of last year. He probably was a bit lucky to uh, record that mark last year, and, and this is more of a re- regression. Uh, I kind of like the Zips rest of season BABIP of 285, which leads him with a, a 259 rest of season batting average. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about that, the, the, the fly balls in particular and the, and the pop-ups, is that uh, from watching him, the, the thing that I'm so upset about is that he, he's swinging in a lot of high fastballs. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, we know leads to home runs, uh, leads to strikeouts and leads to pop-ups. So, uh, it's, you know, those are the three things that he's excelling at this year in a way. Um, and, um, so it's easy enough for us to say, stop swinging at the high fastballs and, and what's going on, Marvin Bernard. But, um, the, <laughs> The, uh, the the reality of it is that the high fastball just looks great. I mean, it, it looks like it's coming down the middle, um, and it's and it's something that has confounded people for years, and that's why high fastballs lead to strikeouts. It's just it's just a, a sort of a, a fact of nature in baseball. Um, so hopefully he lays off a couple of those, especially since these days they're not really strikes a lot of times. Um, so if he if he can hold off that, maybe the walk rate goes up a little bit, strikeout rate goes down a little bit, maybe his batted ball distribution um, evens out a little bit because it wasn't this crazy last year. He he's hitting too many fly balls, I'd say right now, and uh, he didn't really do this last year. Yeah, based uh, the the strikeout rate, I think that his swinging strike rate that you mentioned, his contact percentage. I think those match up better with his strikeout rate this year. I think he was a bit lucky last year, and and this year's strikeout rate is a little closer to his true talent level. Maybe he'll improve slightly in the second half, but I think that he has no business striking out at a lower than league average rate. So unfortunately, that's also not a great thing for his batting average, but I think he's capable of more power in the second half. I mean, his batted ball distance is at 297 feet this year, which is really good, and it's actually five feet further than last year. So that usually matches up with a better home run per fly ball rate of 13.5%. Uh, not surprisingly, he's being hurt by his home p- ballpark. His home run per fly ball rate is only 10% versus nearly 17% away. So that's not going to change, obviously. But clearly, from the home run derby, I think we saw the difference between him and Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper it looks more like just a pure hitter who has, you know, good power and just kind of tomahawks it out, whereas Cespedes, I think, is more inclined for those moonshots and, and big slams. And, and, and he clearly has amazing raw power, and, and you just would think that he would be capable of a higher home run per fly ball rate. I mean, if you saw him with a 20% home run per fly ball rate 
Would that surprise you at all? It wouldn't me. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a tough one for me, especially for him to come out and and just sh- make it such a good showing at the home run derby after kind of tepid early season. Um, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, it is, and obviously we're not. I'm not using the home run der- derby as evidence that he's going to have more power. I'm just saying that even in games when he hits home runs, it, it's clear that this is a, a an enormously powerful man, and he's a He's a powerful guy, and you would just think that he's capable of more on the homer per fly ball and the isolated slugging front. So maybe he just makes more adjustments. I mean, this remember this is only his second year in the league, so I think he's. Uh, for, for what it's worth, he doesn't. Uh, I don't think he shows up in the. Uh, well, actually, he's uh, 26th in batted ball distance this year, so. Uh, that's that's pretty good. He's right there between Jay Jay Bruce, uh, noted slugger Justin Reggiano, <laughs> uh, Mark Reynolds. Yeah, these are twenty. These are high teens, twenty percent home run fly ball guys. So he's the one that clearly is the outlier and whose home run fly doesn't really fit in there. It's probably those pop ups. You know, pop up steals a, a fly ball. You know, and a chance at a home run away from you. So. That's true. That does hurt him slightly, but it's such a small percentage of fly balls that maybe it takes a home run or two away. Maybe without the, all those pop-ups, he'd be at you know, a bit over 14%, but that is a good point, that that probably does rob him of, uh, of a couple potential home runs. All right. I think he's a decent breakout candidate, honestly. I mean, people are going to be talking about the, um, about the curse um, and, uh, and the, the curse of the Derby, which I think is overblown. I mean, mostly they pick guys who have been doing well in the home run category for the Derby. And so then it looks like they went through a slump afterwards, but it was just really just natural regression. So, um, you know, I think he's a pretty decent uh, buy low. Speaking of second half breakouts, uh, yesterday I actually published a list of four second half breakout candidates. You know, I, I use the normal various metrics to uh, evaluate hitters. I also use the batted ball distance leaderboard, uh, XFABIP calculator, just to see who might be in for some better luck in the second half. And one of the guys I, I came up with was Nick Swisher. And this is not a big name, which is a good thing, because he shouldn't cost you a whole lot if you do believe in that second half breakout and want to go out and acquire him. He dealt with shoulder issues earlier in the year, but that hasn't robbed him of any batted ball distance. He's at 295 feet, yet his home run per fly ball rate is well below what you would expect given that distance. So he still hits in the middle of a a pretty good Indians lineup. Uh, His home run per fly ball is at a career low. You know, would you agree that he makes for a a good buy low for the second half? Yeah, you know, one of the the only caveat I have, and I'm checking this up right now, is that the Indians park is... um, is not conducive to home run power necessarily. Uh, it's uh, the park factors are below 95 uh, for home runs, and um, you know he, that wouldn't be such a big deal. You know he did play in Oakland when he was younger, uh, which is uh, has the same uh, park factor for home runs. Uh, but he's most recently coming from the Yankees, uh, which has a top three. Uh, park factor for home runs. So there's something there in terms of what his home park is doing to him. I'm not sure it shows up in the splits necessarily. Um, but 
it's not the best situation for him. Yeah, well, progressive field actually has inflated left-handed home run power over the last couple of years. It's much worse versus righties, which is one of the reasons I was down on Mark Reynolds this year. But obviously, Swisher being a switch hitter, he is going to hit from the left side of the plate much more often, which is why I don't think that the park is necessarily hurting him. And actually, if you look at his splits, he has a 195 ISO at home versus a 130 mark away. So it's really been a way that he's had problems with. Yeah, well, that didn't work out for me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I guess one thing that is interesting is that um, – you know, he, career, he's a, he's been a worse uh, hitter from the left side, uh, about 15% worse uh, from the left side. And uh, this year that has held, and um, he's pretty much just an average major league hitter from the left side uh, with very little power. Um, basically, his slash line from the left side against righties is 222, 330, 360, 365. So uh, that's not good. And, and, it, and it's, you know, in past years, he's shown more power uh, as a lefty. But in past years, he was also in Yankee Stadium, which is augments lefty home runs the most. Um, so, you know, there it could still the home stuff still could be affecting him just, you know, within the splits. Um, any case, uh, I do think he's a decent buy low. I do believe in his power and um He's not going to play all his games at home, even if that is a problem. Uh, it's just interesting to note that he hasn't been as great against righties because you know most of baseball is right-handed. Yeah, and you wonder why a hitter would continue switch hitting when the pitcher-handedness that they face most often they aren't even good against. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to me. And, and you hear this a lot with switch hitters who struggle against a certain side, and they always get those questions – are you going to continue switch hitting, or uh, have you ever had any thought of stopping it to focus on the side that you're actually better at? So it's just weird that that continues to happen and that it has been hurting Swisher. Yeah. All right. Another name that I identified in the article is Pablo Sandoval, who dealt with elbow issues uh, during spring training that probably scared off a whole bunch of fantasy owners. I know I was uh, a bit nervous about potentially drafting him, and I, I haven't. I don't think I've ever actually owned him. But – his home run per fly ball is is nine and a half percent, and again that doesn't really jive with his average distance, which is also about 295 feet. That's way above the league average, and yet his home run per fly ball is below the league average. And he also plays in quite the pitcher's park that hurts left-handed home run power. This is a guy though whose power has jumped all over the place throughout his career, so it's really hard to gauge what his true talent power is. I mean, he's had home run per fly ball rates of 14%, 16%, but then down at 7% in two years of 9.5%, up a, a 237 ISO all the way down to this year's 131. We have no clue how powerful this guy really is. Yeah, you know, one of the things is um, that. Uh, He's had a foot problem, um, and uh, the foot problem, I did, I do think it, it was hurting him, and that, it, and it, you know, it was, it was hurting him when, it, in terms of putting his foot down, and 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 just starting his swing basically. Um, so I, I think that is related a little bit to his power outage. Uh, he's also a streaky guy. I mean, you know, do you, if, if if there was anybody in baseball that you thought was going to hit three home runs in a 
World Series game the way he did, I, I doubt that he would be in the top 15 on that list. Um, and then, but, but, you know, it also makes sense because he's kind of streaky. You know, and the last piece I want to say is that if, if this is all different in a keeper league, because I really do like him for the second half, but in a keeper league, I'm just really nervous about him because, you know, the, the, the body is not great for long-term health. Um, it, it really does suggest to me that he's going to end up at first base. And at first base, all of his numbers are going to look a lot worse um, and, you know, creates a roster crunch. If he gets lucky and he plays first base in, like, Colorado or something, um, then, you know, then that changes everything. But I would say that in general, I'm a little bit down on him. Also, we know that uh, that contact outside the zone is one of the things that ages the worst. Um, if you just had to look at Josh Hamilton for proof of that. So, uh, well, that's no, not proof. It's just one player. But for an example of that. Um, and so we know that Pablo Sandoval is a guy that makes some of his living on contact outside the zone because he swings, you know, at crazy pitches. So I feel like um, you know, long term, I'm not so um, I'm not so happy about him. This second half, I do think uh, he could have a really nice second half. Yeah, I mean, third base is not exactly the deepest, and I've been uh, scrounging for third baseman in several leagues. So given the the lack of depth, depth, the lack of depth, the lack of depth at the position, uh, I mean, he's as good of a guy that possesses. A, upside as there is i mean he's hit 25 home runs before again we don't know what his true power talent level is but he's shown the ability to also hit for batting average he obviously hits in the middle of the order so i I think he makes for a decent buy low i I don't know how low you're going to be able to buy him because he he does carry decent name value uh unlike nick swisher so he's going to be a little tougher to get even though he's been fairly unimpressive all season long but if you do need a third baseman, he's going to be one of the guys that I would target just because he has a good chance to actually be profitable in a trade. Uh, you know, do you have any other names that you expect to break out in the second half? Well, you know, I, we probably have a lot of deep league people um, in our in our listenership. But I, I thought that I would throw one out there for um, for guys in every kind of league. And... Uh, there's a little bit of feel in this one. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but, but I really do like Bryce Harper. Um, and I think that there's something there that could really have a nice second half. First of all, he was... No, Bryce Harper stinks. Nobody likes him. You're the only one. Please enlighten us. Well, obviously, <laughs> you know, people like him. But I don't think that, um, you know, I, I think that some people might be looking at his numbers and... and also, what helps in this case are the the, the projections um, are modest. So if you're if you're dealing with even if you're dealing with a Fangraphs reader and they're looking at Bryce Harper's projections, they might think, oh, you know what, he's offering me a pretty good deal. Uh, Bryce Harper is only projected for um, I forget. Let me give that up. But you know, he's not his rest of season projections are not actually that exciting so, 10 home runs and 208 at bats from zips 11 in 241 from steamer seven steals between them and batting 265 to 270 so i think that he can now do that is what i'm saying and here are the couple reasons i think why he most recently has been hitting at the top of the lineup and um i like that for his stolen base totals and you know he only he has six so far but he also missed time uh, I think he's healthy now, and he's also a top of the lineup. Those are those are two relatively new things for him. 
Um, so I, I think that he can out outsteal his pace so far this year, basically, um, and maybe even outsteal the the projected pace. Uh, secondly, uh, he's made good strides in his power, at least in terms of his isolated slugging. Um, and most of the projection systems have him coming back off of that. Uh, but uh, Bryce Harper is eight in the league in batted ball distance. So uh, he's a guy that's hitting just a foot short of Paul Goldschmidt, um, you know, and people love the heck out of him. So uh, what I like uh, about him is that uh, I think he can outdo his projections and, uh, you know, people are often looking for, you know, uh, you know, some, some of y'all have built depth, you know, on your teams and really need to get a star. And I think that it's hard to get stars, but if someone is looking at his rest of season projections and they think that you're offering them a nice package for Bryce Harper, they might actually take it. See, I think it's he's an interesting name because he started off the season so hot that everybody was basically uh, patting themselves on the back because remember we talked about how early he was going on a lot of drafts and we thought it was crazy. I mean, he was going as early as like 12th overall in drafts. And we were thinking, that's nuts. Or at least I was thinking that was nuts. And, and over the first couple of weeks of the season, that – uh, draft slot actually looked like uh, a pretty good foreshadowing of what he was going to do. And he, he looked like uh, a top five, top three outfielder, maybe a top 10 player overall. Then, of course, he got injured and he hasn't done a whole lot since. And so now his season numbers just look very good rather than otherworldly. And and with that whole what have you done for me lately mentality that most fantasy owners have, that makes it a lot easier to acquire Bryce Harper now than earlier in the season. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I think he's basically still has that that sort of run in him again. Um, and you would might be able to, to pay sort of uh, after the after the burst prices for him. So anyway, that's that's a deeper one. Um Right around the end, right around the the end of uh, the bottom of shallow mixed leagues, it's right around 12, 13, 14 in the shortstop rankings. Uh, there was a guy that we didn't all agree on, um, but I just can't see a reason not to like him. Where you know, right around there, and that's Martin Prado. Um, so you and you and Zach had him 19th. Uh, Jeff and I had him ninth, and uh, Jeff had him ninth, I had him 11th. Um, and the overall ranking put him 14th. You know, I would take him over. You know, I, I might even I have him over Jed Lowry, but that's a bit of a pick'em. But I, I I think I would take him over Jed Lowry. You know, especially when considering health. Um, and mostly the the reasoning behind this is just if you look at Martin Prado's line across the board. Um, you know, in terms of his batted ball mix, his line drive rate, all that stuff, everything is exactly the same as last year. And last year he had a 322 batting average on balls in play, and this year he has a 260. So uh, I think that the batting average is going to get go up past 280 or so. And, uh, you know, one thing I'm nervous about is that his speed score is tanked and he, and he, and he you know, can't steal a base this year. And he had some hamstring issues last year, but that was last year. Uh, and I really haven't heard that much about leg uh, problems from this year. So uh, I don't think there's a really a reason for him to fall off the cliff in terms of speed. And I'm not asking for 17 steals like last year, but if he can, uh, if he can just, you know, get healthy over the All-Star break, if there's something nagging him in his hamstrings or something, uh, and just even be average uh, of average speed, 
for the league. I think uh, I'd take the over on uh, the power in Arizona. I'd give him uh, 87 and five kind of uh, rest of season. So it's funny that you mentioned Jed Lowry because I actually in the second base consensus rankings, I had those two back to back. I had Lowry 19 and I had Prado 20. And I think it's an interesting pick because it's, it's clear that his batting average should improve. I mean, his his BABIP right now is 260. I don't have his ex-BABIP up, but looking at his batted ball profile, it's a pretty good one. He doesn't pop it up. He hits line drives over the league average. He hits more grounders than fly balls. That's basically uh, you know, a 310-315 BABIP, which is his career mark. And uh, rest of season projections say batting 280 to 290. Uh, that's fair. But the thing is, is that speed is that last year was clear that those 17 steals were a fluke. He never did anything close to that previously. He's never been a real good base stealer to begin with. So he kind of just looks like Placido Polanco back when he was a 300 hitter with 10 home runs. And and that always had some value, especially in NL-only leagues. But it's just not enough. It's one of those guys that, oh, yeah, I'll take him just not to kill me. But doesn't really contribute a whole lot. So, I mean, he's a you know maybe a 12 home run guy who will steal a couple of bases and and not hurt you in batting average and maybe help a little bit. But I just don't see that as enough upside to really warrant being a top 10 guy in any position he qualifies at. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't put him top 10. He he was kind of like my deeper league uh, pick. But I I mean, I don't know if it's semantics or anything. I wouldn't put him top 10, but I would put him top 15. Um, And so that makes him a good MI acquisition, even in in mixed leagues. or uh, or just a back end uh, shortstop and and you know sometimes on some people's leagues he's on the wire uh, and, and I bet you in a ton of leagues he's just an extra piece for a team so I do think he's eminently acquirable and I do actually like the Polanco um, you know thing it, it, it might be have been designed to 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 make people go yuck but uh, I kind of feel like some people are looking for Polanco at shortstop right now. That's uh, sad. I feel bad for those owners if they can't find anybody that Placido Polanco is their Superman to rescue yeah. their team. I know, but I mean, and, and and just compared to Lowry, I would just say I think, well, I could maybe give Lowry power going forward, but you know, Lowry is four plate appearances from a from a career high. Um, so we're about to go into uncharted territory for him in terms of health and who knows what that means, you know, also, you know, he's career high Babbitt, um, and he's not going to steal bases. So, you know, there's, uh, there's a little, little bit, I think there's more risk with Lowry at the very least with Prado. He's going to play all over the diamond. Um, I think the batting average is going to improve. I just I see them kind of going in different directions a little bit. Very similar, but I see them going different different directions. You know, Lowry got a lot of love and, and he gets a lot of love in our in our rankings updates. And I, I just don't get it. I mean I, I like him as a person. He was a very good interview. Um uh, and you know, he went to my college, so uh I you know, I root for him in, in some ways. But you know, the BABIP is inflated and he just can't stay healthy and there's going to be some nick or, or cut or something that's going to take him down for a bit. And he doesn't steal bases and, you know, he takes the, the A's uh, sit him from time to time. His projections have him not even cracking 70 in runs or RBI. And, uh, 
you know, if he hits 15 home runs, it'll be a, a it'll be a, a coup. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about Lowry. I mean, I, for him, he's a deep leaguer. One of the things I like most about doing these updated consensus rankings is dealing with players that are new and you really don't know where to actually place them. I mean, we've said this several times that you and I, we don't project every player, run dollar values, and quantitatively reorder these players. I mean, that takes way too much time for not enough benefit for the rest of the season. So, I mean, you know, we analyze all the players, obviously, and their metrics, and then we just use our brains and and just move players up and down and, and place new players in these rankings. So I'm always amazed how guys that I'm not really sure about how close we actually end up being. And one example of that is Nick Franklin, who I placed at number 18 among second basemen. Where did you place him? 17. Where did Zach place him? 16. I couldn't believe that. I'm like, Nick Franklin is a guy that we really aren't sure what his true talent level is. He's a rookie. He was just called up a couple of weeks ago. He's done well so far, but who knows? I mean, maybe somebody liked him at 12 and somebody didn't believe and he's in the 20s. Nope. We all basically think he's the exact same. Which well, I think and then what's, what's funny is that we're, the, we're, we're basically the human rankers and uh, Zimmerman, the, the, the computer ranker in, in, in effect, um, he uses uh, he uses a combination of zips, uh, steamer, and the depth charts on our on our website um, to to uh, predict uh, to 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 come up with his rankings. He he likes him the least um, in the shortstops and the second baseman rankings than any of us. And he's using he's using the, the computer based projection systems. And I think those uh, you know in this in this situation uh, might be flawed just because Nick Franklin this year did. Uh, took a real big step forward in terms of striking out less and walking more. Um, and I think that combo is just, it, it's not necessarily, uh, it is uh, correlated with a better batting average. So that there, that does have a fantasy impact, but it's not necessarily that we think that he did that. So therefore he's going to be great. It's just that he did like the, basically what you want a player to do. Um, and he did it, and he did it in one year, and it's and it's translating to the big leagues. And we as humans can say, that looks like a fundamentally different player, and that's why we are saying, you know, oh, hey, Nick Franklin, that that guy looks like he's on the cusp of mixed league relevance. You know, uh, he could be he could be a, a definitely a piece in most mixed league benches, and so we, that's where we're at. You know, the the computer system looks back the last two years and says, eh, he struck out a little bit too much in the minor leagues. He should really be striking out about 24, 25% in the big leagues this year. And so, therefore, the batting average should be terrible. And, oh, since uh, he's a rookie, I'm not going to give him full projection of playing time and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what's going on. But I think, that's, I think it's very good for us to have um, Zimmerman in there because, you know, we can get into this group thing where we're all like, oh, yeah, Nick Franklin, Nick Franklin, Nick Franklin. Yeah, Nick Franklin. All right, Nick Franklin. And we forget that, you know, he's so young and that this is his first time through and that there might be adjustments and, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibly he gets sent back down and doesn't get the full playing time and all this stuff. So uh, it, I think it's great to have the projection. It's almost like a sea anchor or just, you know, one one of the four to say, hey, by the way, this is what the numbers say. Um, and uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't lo- I don't love it when, you know, his his uh, rankings get trashed, but. Um, I understand where they're coming from in terms of, 
you know, they want Matt Carpenter to be higher because Matt Carpenter, you know, is going to win them their league because they, they picked him all low and he's doing so great. But, you know, if you look, really look at Matt Carpenter, he might be a 280 hitter with, uh, you know, 12, 13 home runs. And, you know, it's a nice thing to pick up for cheap, but it's not necessarily, you know, the fifth best baseball in baseball. Yeah, speaking of Matt Carpenter, we were questioned on him, and uh, he has really been a, a, a divide with all of our ranks. In the second base, his ranks went 20, uh, sorry, his ranks went 12, 25, 14, 7. And then for first base, he was at 17, 44, 32, 16. I was the second least optimistic. Obviously, Jeff's combination of Zips and Steamer were the least optimistic for Matt Carpenter. Then I was, and then Zach was most optimistic, followed by you. So, it's, I mean, obviously what he's done so far has been fantastic. And he's already scored 72 runs. He's He has one pop-up all season long. He's hitting a ton of line drives. So it looks like his bad bip is sustainable given that batted ball profile. But I think the issue is I don't know if it's really sustainable that improved strikeout rate. And I know the projection systems are expecting him to strike out a bit more in the second half. He doesn't have a whole lot of power. But with that good contact rate, obviously, that's being boosted. And he has no speed. So it's kind of hard to get a middle infielder who doesn't have great power, not like Dan Ugla power, to offset that complete lack of speed, which is why, I mean, he's got real downside here, I think. Yeah, I mean, we were just uh, we were just debating the merits of a Martin Prado and, uh, and Jed Lowry, who I think are somewhat similar in terms of, you know, decent batting average, uh, okay power, you know, none of them are stealing bases this year. Um, and, uh, and everyone loves Matt Carpenter, you know, people love Jed Lowry, nobody loves Martin Prado, and it's the, the stupid, the, the Babip god, you know, has decided this is how it's going to be. I will say that, yes, Matt Carpenter is built to have a good Babip. He has, um, he, not only the things you said about not having a, a, a pop-ups and so on, but he has a very balanced uh, swing in terms of ground balls and fly balls, and he also uh, has opposite field power, which uh, when I researched my Joey Votto interview, I found that uh, that the, the best batting averages and the best batting averages on balls and play out there come from guys who spray it across the field and have opposite field power. So that is something that, that Carpenter does well. So, you know, a 300 batting average going forward is not bad. He's, he's on a great lineup and near the top of it, so he's going he's gonna to crack 100 runs most likely. But... Um, I'm not sure he's going to, you know, crack 15 uh, homers and he's not going to, you know, he's stolen one in four tries. So that's just not going to be a part of his game. And, you know, as bad as second base might seem, once you start getting to the top half of the top 12, you're getting guys who will hit you homers and steal you bases. Um, So to make an argument that he's a a top six uh, second baseman, uh, you're, you're, you're knocking down a Kinsler. Um, who, uh, you know, has a 30-30 season. Uh, so that doesn't mean that he's going to be 30-30 this year, but it means that he has those skills and shown them before and can steal and hit homers and, you know, this year is even hitting for average. So uh, I'm not putting him above Kinsler, you know. So, you know, I think that 
it's been it's really exciting. It's really great, and I'm and I'm so happy that uh, you know we identified Matt Carpenter as a as a sleeper going into the season. Well, you that, certainly did. I, I I disagreed, and I've been wrong. Yeah, but you know he's turned out to be um, pretty good for everybody. But I wouldn't say you know you know if somebody you know if somebody offered me a, a, a top second baseman or a top shortstop. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, would I, would I take, let's say if I had no shortstop and Matt Carpenter and someone offered me, uh, Starlin Castro and, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the second baseman, you know, uh, Starlin Castro and Jed Lowry, or I don't know, that's, that, that's a little light. Uh, but it, you know, you get my point. If I got, if I got a second baseman that was in the sort of 10 to 14, uh, part of the, the rankings plus a plus this piece somewhere else that I really needed, I, I might do it. All right. I want to finish off with an article I posted this morning. It was actually a poll, and it compared two groups of pitchers, the top 10 Sierra outperformers and the top 10 Sierra underperformers. And I asked our readers to vote on which group they think will post a better ERA rest of season. And as we speak... We've had a total of 375 votes, which is not enough, so keep on voting if you haven't voted yet. And so far, Group A, the Sierra outperformers, have more than double the votes as Group B, the Sierra underperformers, which doesn't surprise me. I I expected Group A to get more votes than Group B. So not a surprise here. And uh, I was wondering where you stand on this issue because I always flip-flop. Sometimes I think that Group B, the underperformers, are going to basically overcorrect. And their Sierra is a 388 right now. So on one hand, you think, okay, maybe they'll pitch to a 388 ERA the rest of the year. But I'm thinking also a possibility is they pitch to a 3 ERA, which overcorrects. So the ERA comes all the way down to 388 to match their Sierra. If they only pitch to a 388 ERA the rest of the way, then their ERA is going to still end up over four and it's going to be above their Sierra. So I'm never sure which way to go. I know that way is the gambler's fallacy. Right. Uh, but but that, I think, is more to inanimate objects, like flipping a coin. These are baseball players, and we evaluate them on a seasonal basis, not on a start-by-start basis. And so if we say somebody is a true talent three-ERA pitcher, are we saying in every game he's a three-ERA pitcher or over a full season? I tend to think it's over a full season, and he's going to be up and down like a roller coaster, but eventually land at that three-ERA. So I that's why I say that the gambler's fallacy doesn't necessarily – enter into this conversation and it's not necessarily a flawed way of thinking about just that. to just to uh help people out the gambler's fallacy is the idea that um you know someone's due because uh yes. they they're oh for 10 or whatever then you know they're due so basically but, if you play roulette and you see it ends up red five times in a row you're going to bet a lot on black because it's due to land on black that's the gambler's fallacy but the truth of the matter is that Black is just as likely as any time to, to exactly. show up. So, um, you know, the, the the thing that's I think that's tricky about pitchers is that there's uh, so much going on that 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 gets them to these numbers. Um, and I would I would I would say that just looking at the Sierra underperformers, you know, I feel like there's there are reasons for some of those high batting average on balls in play, and there are reasons for some of those uh, high home runs fly ball rates. 
And like you said, sometimes, you know, if we if we pitched in the in the big leagues, we wouldn't have a 300 BABIP. So I think that uh, it's it's hard to group pitchers like this and that, you know, if I went, I would much rather have A or B, one pitcher and another, another pitcher, because then I could say, OK, let me look at Matt Kane. Let me look at what's going wrong. Let me look at this. Let me look at that. But if you just have this big group, you're basically asking me, you know, how much do I believe in Sierra for this whole group? Um, and each of these pitchers, I, I feel sort of differently about. Bartolo Colon, I feel like he's going to end up suspended. He might have the exact same numbers at some point, you know, without the IP. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, Jason Marquis is like the biggest regression risk in baseball right now. So, um, you know, I, and Clayton Kershaw, you know, I do think that at the outer edges, uh, when you get to the talent levels is when, when you get in trouble with, uh, using a Sierra or something. So Clayton Kershaw is obviously like a top three pitcher right now. Uh, so to say he's going to regress to his Sierra, you know, I'm not so sure about that. He might end up with like a two, three ERA on the season. So, uh, I think in general, I would take the Sierra outperformers just because, uh, there, there are some superlative names and players in that, in that group. Um, that I think that are, are having good seasons and will continue to do so. And if you look, if I look at the group B, I see too many names that, you know, like Wade Davis, I think is going to end up in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Blanton, I think is going to end up hurt. Um, you know, Rick Porcello, I got no ideas. Edison Volquez doing this his whole life. So, uh, you know, Edwin Jackson has been over his, his Sierra, his whole career too. So, um, you know, I, I like Matt Kennedy and Jeremy Hellickson to get better, but you know, Giovanni Gallardo is making a pitching mix change that I don't like at all, and it's been trending. And you know, I don't I don't really like him to beat it. So there's enough up and downs in each group that I'm very fascinated to see how it actually ends up. Um, and I would love to you to you know I know you're probably going to return to this at the end of the season, but I do want to I do want to see what the result is. But I, as much as I want to take Group B, I would take Group A. I take the Sierra outperformers just because. They're probably on a. Uh, they're probably doing something right. You know, they're probably figuring something out. You know, it's really funny to see Matt Kane and Jeremy Hellickson's name in the Sierra Underperformers group because they have been the poster boys the last couple of years of guys that we couldn't figure out what are they doing to significantly outperform the Sierra marks, and then suddenly, just like that, they're now significantly underperforming their Sierra marks. So. Just like that, things can completely change, and you just have no explanation for it. So that's baseball. That's why we love it. Yeah, and, but the weird thing is that it didn't correct in a lot of those seasons, you know? They, it corrected later in a new season. <laughs> so, you know, people finally decided, oh, Matt Cain hits the edge and gets pop-ups, and that's how he does it. And then that's the year he decides to crap out. <laughs> you just never know, which is why, as we always say, there's a ton of luck involved in, in fantasy baseball, even in real baseball, because, I mean, we're all human, they're human, and as much data we might analyze when we think we know things, it, it doesn't always come out that way. So that is a wrap, and uh, join us again on Thursday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper on the Bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.